On this episode of Documental, I'm speaking with Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. So we're going to talk about a variety of topics in the health and wellness industry. And I figured uh, a unique way to start our episode would be on the topic of biohacking. So mm. what are some tips that come to mind you could give for listeners? Yeah, I would say, you know, what really comes to mind is sleep. Um, you know, if you follow Dave Asprey as a, as a person on uh, a person of interest, uh, he talks a lot about sleep hacks and, and things that can be helpful. And so uh, a lot of the work that I do with my patients is helping them delve into why are they not sleeping? It's always the why, you know, there was a root cause. And so there's this um, sleep induction mat that I bought um, that's a little bit painful until you get used to laying on it, but that has been helpful. I would say that's probably a big one. I think also, you know, looking at nootropic agents, you know, thinking about things like full spectrum CBD, um, looking at, um, you know, melatonin used appropriately. That's certainly, it's a, a hormone that, you know, our bodies secrete, you know, our penile glam. So obviously you don't want to be taking melatonin long-term, but looking at things that produce, you know, kind of support fatty acid synthesis in the brain. I'm, I'm always thinking about things like Serifos, uh, which is a trade name of phosphylsterine. And then, you know, the other piece is um, we get so much junk light exposure during the day. Uh, and throughout the day, you know, just from, you know, our computers, our iPads, our iPhones, um, you know, just the fluorescent lighting that we have in most businesses that, you know, the exposure to junk light can further dysregulate the secretion of melatonin, which is that hormone that tells us it's time to go to sleep. And so thinking about um, blue light glasses, you know, I, I wear Swanwick. I, uh, unfortunately, I don't have them right next to me. Normally I do. They're upstairs. Uh, but wearing them, you know, in the evening after six o'clock, if you need to be on electronics or watching TV can be hugely influential because one of the things that happens is if your melatonin is blunted, then cortisol is another hormone that will actually be secreted and that will, you know, kind of bump things up, but can put a, you know, a great stress on the body. And, and so cortisol can disrupt our sleep and impact sleep. So a lot of the biohacking that I focus on personally is related to sleep. Uh, but there's tons and tons of concepts out there. And, and certainly um, a couple of people that come to mind, as I mentioned, Dave Asprey, but also Ben Angel are, you know, big biohackers. They're really, you know, doing cutting edge stuff, you know, wearing the aura rings to monitor their sleep and just thinking about some of the other technologies that are available for people to use um, to improve their lives in, in a good way. Yeah, you mentioned quite a few tips here. This is fantastic <laughs> to branch out here. Um, it's interesting in terms of uh, how many methods, techniques we mm -hmm. have to biohack, right? But from a ba basic standpoint, sleep, you know, light exposure, mm -hmm. uh, you know, managing cortisol. I mean, these are things that could, from my understanding, really change the way you feel. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into the precision of biohacking is, you know, even better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, un unfortunately, I think sleep in particular is one that isn't taken seriously enough. I know, you know, I'm in my forties, but I know when I was in my twenties and thirties, I thought sleep was, you know, like no big deal. Like eh, I can sleep later. No big deal. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm working shifts. I just adapt. It doesn't matter if I only get four or five hours a night of sleep. And we're starting to recognize how, um, impactful not getting proper sleep is on our bodies. You know, it can impact our ability to control our blood sugar, can impact our ability to build muscle. I mean, all the things that, you know, people really get concerned about as they start to age, they start to suddenly take those things a bit more seriously. Yeah, it seems like in the US, at least, um, there's a culture of working extended hours mm -hmm. and we tend to neglect 
the importance of sleep. Um, so we run on maybe four or five hours yeah. a day, but I think we, we are understanding how much it impacts your mind and body and how you can be more productive if you get the right kind of sleep. And that's the beauty of having things like the aura ring that yeah. help you measure that stuff. Right. Yeah. So um, junk light, the next thing I want to talk about is because we're spending so much time in an office and we're not mm -hmm. going outside and moving around. Is that, is that correct? It, that's part of it. It's just, it's cumulative throughout the day. So think about it. Um, most people wake up in the morning, maybe they do or do not work. Maybe they don't work out in the morning, but they shower, they get ready for work. They get in their cars, they drive to the office, they pull into a garage they walk into the office, they're in this controlled climate environment all day long with fluorescent lights in front of a computer, probably looking at their phone, maybe looking at another device. Then they leave work at night, they get back in their car, they drive home. So they have very little exposure to sunlight. They have very little exposure to, you know, we actually have receptors on our skin and in our eyes, you know, our retinas that, you know, kind of um, are impacted significantly by exposure to sunlight. So we spend, we're like moles. We spend most of the day indoors, in, an, in a controlled environment, we don't get exposure to sunlight, which we know has all these profound you know, health benefits, helps reset that circadian rhythm, helps our bodies know that it's time to wake up, get moving, um, but also just the synthesis of vitamin D, which is a hormone. Uh, we're, you know, it, it's not at all uh, common uh, nowadays, uncommon to see people who are, have very low vitamin D levels, and that can impact a whole host of health concerns. So I think that you know, when we're really talking about exposure to junk light, it's you know, we're not out in the fields, we're not, you know, we're not harvesting, you know, we're, we're spending very little time moving, we're spending a lot of time sitting. Um, good example is, you know, case in point, the same person who drives to work sits on their tush all day long, gets back in their car and then drives home and then sits on the couch all night long. So maybe you've got someone that's maybe walking a 1000 steps a day. And so it isn't that it's just that one day, it's cumulatively, it's the same mm. thing for people that go to the gym, maybe they do CrossFit, I'm not picking on the CrossFitters, I have great <laughs> respect for them, I'm just using it as an example, it's pretty intense exercise, they go to CrossFit, they exercise intensely for an hour, and then they sit all day long, they have then taken an incredible opportunity to move their bodies, and, you know, lower their blood sugar and lower their blood pressure and have all these profound health benefits. Then they sit on their butt all day long and they've, they've then created all this host of other, you know, they've gone the, the opposite direction, all these negative, you know, connotations that come from being sedentary. And, and so we're a society that has largely become fat and sedentary. And I think that, you know, much for me is, is why the exposure to junk light does so many profoundly negative things. It's, it's kind of like the domino effect. It's one thing after another. And so I, I think most people don't think of it as problematic. You know, how, how often are we putting our kids in front of devices at a very young age. I see, I go to restaurants, I see two-year-olds in front of iPads because their parents just want them to be quiet. And I get that. Um, but you go out to dinner and you see a family of four and everyone's looking at their phones instead of communicating. So it's also this disconnection that we have from one another because we're so focused on technology. And again, it's the, the good and bad, you know, the pros and cons. There's great things that have come from having technology and there are detrimental things that have come from technology. Yeah, so many great points. Uh, <laughs> uh, it seems to me that this goes against generations of how we evolved. Mm -hmm. And um, you wrote a book uh, called Primal Eating, is that correct? Mm -hmm. yes. And you discuss a lot of the things that our ancestors consumed to survive the way they lived. Can you touch upon that ebook? It might be pretty relevant to our discussion right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I co-wrote that with Primal Man on Twitter. I want to make sure he gets his, his credit as well. Um, you know, we just felt like we've gotten so far off course as a society that we really have 
forgotten how our ancestors lived, you know, when they had to hunt for food and forage for food. And, um, you know, we, we fasted and we feasted and, and there was probably more fasting unintentionally than feasting because, you know, we, if food isn't available, you have to make do with bark and berries and whatever <laughs> grubs, whatever is available. But I think our initial impetus was really to kind of bring it back and say, this is what pre-agricultural society looked like. Um, you know, there's a lot of the benefits of this agricultural society, but there's also some detriments. You know, we have largely become very dependent on processed foods, how that has impacted our health. You know, we, we kind of pivot between a, a healthy pre-agricultural society family and then a modern day family talking about the health issues that we're seeing in the modern day family, which largely are, are lifestyle mediated. We're sedentary. We're eating a lot of processed foods that are, have all these excitotoxins which are stimulating our brains to continue even eating even though we're full because our body doesn't even, it doesn't even um, resonate with our body that we're actually full. So kind of compare, you know, comparing, and then we do a huge expose on the processed food industry, which was really interesting. I wrote most, most of the nutrition chapters. And so talking about subsidized food, uh, why subsidized food is so cheap and plentiful, why there's so much of it in the food supply, why people should be concerned about it, um, so it was really written largely, I think, as a labor of love to, you know, try to educate the public so that they can make better choices for themselves. And I always say there's no judgment, you know, that everyone's doing the best that they can. But I think the more people understand, the more they can say, hey, I don't think I want to continue eating that way or living that way. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm living differently um, and that I'm, I'm doing the things for my body that it's designed to do, which really goes back to eating, how we eat, how we move, how we sleep, super critical to how we thrive. Makes you think um, when you get your health in order, it's just such a game changer. I mean, you notice the mm -hmm. difference, you feel the energy yeah. and, and you want to move around more because you have more energy, you're more productive, mm -hmm. you know, there's cognitive benefits as well. It's just, um, it just makes sense to do so once you start yeah. down that path. Absolutely. And you probably won't look back. It makes no re makes no sense to go back anyway. So yeah, absolutely. Um, reading a book like yours and with Primal Man's um, contributions as well, uh, it would benefit the listeners tremendously. Yeah, I agree. And it's and it's interesting because you know in that space, you know, I probably have read everything on nutrition in the wellness space. You know, substantive and fluffy. And when we got together to write the book, I was like, no one's, no one's talking about this. You know, no one's, it's a different angle. It's a different perspective. Um, and, and I'll be the first person to say, I mean, Primal Man, I will give him props. He has got a great, you know, he's got a great creative mindset. You know, his, the book was really his vision initially. Um, and, you know, he, his contributions to creating that family, I thought were fantastic because it really illustrates the differences of how we lived before and how we live now and, and what's, you know, people are now in this survival mode. They're surviving, but they're not thriving. And that's really profoundly sad. For sure. And you mentioned at some point intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. So uh, for listeners, uh, listeners that don't know, Cynthia had a wonderful video that went viral on this exact topic. Um, could you explain to us how to do intermittent fasting the right way? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, it's just understanding that it's really more simplified than people realize. Like we like to make things complicated as a society. And so we either exist in one of two states. We're either fed or we're fasting. That's it. I mean, that's, it's that simple. And so, you know, when you're first starting out, it's deciding what window of fasting works best for you. And, and most people start out with a 12 hour window. And so think about it this way. You eat dinner at six o'clock at night and you eat breakfast at eight. You've already fasted 14 hours. 
So it, it really isn't this insurmountable option. You know, I, I think people get scared if I don't have my evening snack or if I'm not having snacks all day. And what it really forces you to do is to really be much more conscientious about your meals. And then there's one less meal to worry about. Like maybe for some of the men that are listening, you may still be at a point where you're still eating three meals a day. As a, you know, as a, a woman, you know, two meals a day, I mean, it's so much easier. It's like I worry about lunch and dinner and that's it. And then when my feeding window is closed, I don't eat. I mean, at all. Right. Um, so you start with determining whether or not intermittent fasting is the right for you. It works for most people, but I always say that there are specific individuals that, it, that should not attempt to do it. And so I'll just hit those really quickly. If you're someone who has diabetes but difficult to control blood sugars or have problems with low blood sugar, not the right strategy. Um, if you have a history of eating disorders, very likely not the right strategy. Um, if you've got significant chronic health issues, like if you are someone that has um, cardiovascular disease, liver and kidney problems, probably worth discussing with your healthcare provider beforehand. But for most other people, if you're otherwise a healthy individual, it's something that you can definitely do on your own without pills and potions and powders, which are one of my greatest criticisms of the wellness industry is that we have convinced consumers that they have to buy expensive products in order to get healthy and, and really you know, I always, I just did a video last week and I was like, let's get real, you know, let's get real and just say, let's call out the BS. Let's say that we should be instructing our patients um, and our clients about strategies that are cost effective. And this to me is one of the most cost effective things you can do. It costs you nothing. Um, there are even apps. There's an app called Zero that you can use on your phone to track how long you've been fasting. So you start off with, you know, the decision is, am I right for intermittent fasting? Then you move to what's your window. The average person probably does a 16-8, which is 16 hours fasted with an eight-hour feeding window. We don't necessarily start off with fasting for 16 hours. Most people start off with 12 and then slowly expand, usually by an hour, you know, from 12 to 13, 13 to 14, until you get to that magic number. Now, I do have quite a few men that prefer doing an 18-6, meaning they fast for 18 hours and they eat for six hours. And it's really what works best. And then most interestingly enough, what I'm finding is becoming quite popular right now is the OMAD, so one meal a day, oh, which wow. wouldn't work for me. I could mm -hmm. not consume enough calories. Uh, I could not consume enough calories in one meal to be <laughs> to feel like I would be able to get anything accomplished. I would just uh, be feeling like I wanted to go take a nap. Um, yeah, right. But there are some people that, that really works well for, and that's the cool thing. It's super flexible. You can do it while you're on vacation. We just got back from San Diego. And I was, you know, I just opened up my feeding window, moved my my time three hours, you know, behind, um, and did a longer fast the first day. And so it's super flexible. The other thing is, you know, it's not as if you're out on an island while you're fasting. You can drink, you know, plain coffee, plain tea, or filtered water. You know, I got a lot of questions about what about bulletproof coffee. And I like to remind people, you're supposed to be fasting, not feeding. And bulletproof coffee is anywhere from 250 to 300 calories. So Yes, it has MCT oil in it. Yes, it has butter in it. Yes, fat is metabolized differently than carbohydrates and protein. However, if you want to be a purist like I am, um, I really think you're meant to fast and not feed. Um, and so that's kind of where I start people from, just to who's right for it, how do you do it, finding your feeding window and fasting window. And then, you know, the amazing thing and, and the thing that's really been great is that TED Talk was so impactful. I get messages every single day across social media in my emails from people who are like, I watch your TED Talk every week. I've lost 15 pounds. I've lost 20 pounds. I'm off my diabetes medication. Wow. And that's really what it's about. I think going back to that same you know, kind of concept that we as a society have gotten so focused on consumerism 
that it's like, how can someone profit? Like I just saw, I think it was on Facebook. It was like an ad for this fasting program. Now it was designed to be done in an app, but I'm like, you know, most people can do a fasting program on their own unless they feel like they need more support. And, and certainly like I have a program that specifically addresses that, but most people can do it on their own. And I'm like, why not empower people to be able to implement a strategy at home on their own terms? It's totally free. Um, and that's what I love about it. So that, that's a long winded explanation for how to go about it. But I, I really think it's a transformational concept for so many people. It's really more the outliers that can't tolerate or aren't in a position to be ready for it. Um, but you know, not only in my life, but in the lives of many, many people I've touched, um, really profoundly impactful. I really appreciate you going into detail on these topics because <laughs> it, it matters. Those details matter and mm -hmm. people can get excited about all these new tips and tricks, but the nuances uh, carry a lot of weight. And when we understand those nuances and we tailor it to our personalities and our needs, it makes all the difference. So mm -hmm. thank you for doing that, Cynthia. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, so some great tips in this episode. Uh, I think people have to re-listen to it over and over <laughs> again uh, because I'm even uh, astonished here. Um, this is fantastic. Cynthia, to close this episode, can you give listeners an idea where they can find you online and maybe any projects you're currently involved in? Yeah, absolutely. So it's www.cynthiathurlow.com. I'm active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, I have a free group on Facebook, which right now it's a terrible title. It's called uh, Cynthia Circle because I'm in the midst of rebranding. Okay. Uh, but you can find me there. There are men and women in that group. It's a great group. You can kind of pick my brain. I think that's what people like is they can kind of ask questions and I'll answer them. Not my team, it's me. Um, in terms of projects, interestingly enough, I... Huh. I, you know, there's, there's some things going on. I'm going to be heading out to LA next month um, to be on TV out there for um, a show out there. And just hoping that I continue to have the opportunity to, to do speaking, oppor speaking, um, speaking opportunities to, you know, kind of spread the message uh, further and, and more TV work. That's actually kind of where my business is heading. Um, I, I do some local, I'm actually going to be on TV here in DC on Wednesday. So, right. Nice. <laughs> Cynthia, thank you so much for this interview. It was fantastic. Thank you. All right. Take, take care.